The Jets may have lost to the Montreal Canadiens in a shootout, but you know what? It was actually a pretty fun game. And all told, I think there's a lot more to be inspired by Winnipeg's recent run of form than there is to be concerned about. Although the same problem areas have cropped up. We'll talk about all of that and how the Jets can fix it on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, Jets fans, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Harrison Lee. I'm your host, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Now, like I said, uh, we're going to focus on uh, the opening here of Montreal versus Winnipeg over uh, the, the Saturday, which, of course, didn't go Winnipeg's way. Winnipeg lost in the shootout 4-3. to But you know what? You look at this game, and uh, after getting seven of eight points in their last four attempts, the Jets have come away probably feeling pretty okay, right? This is a good run of form. It's a much better turnaround after a one and three start. And while some of the games the Jets didn't always outplay their opponents, for the most part, I think that there's reasonably enough to like in a lot of these instances, whether it's Hellebuck looking more like Hellebuck or the Jets' offense continuing to roll four lines and generally outplaying opponents. First things first, though, I, I do have to say, uh, we'll get the bad stuff out of the way. Winnipeg, I think, in this game, just lost focus at times. There were some you know, bad decisions, some mistakes, and I think in particular, Ehlers uh, had one of his worst games in recent memory. Somebody on Twitter was like, well, you know, you should... I want to want you to bash him like you bashed Connor, you know, and his defensive impact. And the the big difference between Connor and Ehlers, traditionally speaking, is that both are terrible at defending, right? We all know this. But with Connor, he doesn't provide enough other than pure goal scoring, and that's where Ehlers did so much work, right? In transition, in space creation, all of that stuff. But this year, he's really been a shell of himself. It might be a few weeks before he's back up to speed. He just doesn't look right to me at all. Uh, we've talked about it before that he kind of looks like he's still playing injured. Um, maybe the rehab process is still taking time. It's entirely possible that he just doesn't look right for like the next 15 to 20 games. I've, I've talked about it with some folks on Twitter, and, and they were talking about, you know, post-COVID uh, recovery stuff and other injuries. And, you know, it, it, it can be a few uh, weeks of performance before we start to see Ehlers turn it around. Um, the the decisions he's making are really uncharacteristic of him. He's always had you know some risky passes and stuff, but the passes he's failing to connect on here are even simple for him, right? Like just stuff that you would never really see him and him do. Whether it's bad chip-ins, really awful passes, poor decision making, just stuff that's very out of character for Ehlers normally. Connor is very much the same as he's always been. You know, he's a great, great shooter, still one of the best one-on-one -on -one matchup players in the league, and still kind of limited in, in those capacities, right? He can only do that stuff. Um, a lot of the other buildup and, and 
interchanges and stuff that we need from a winger. He doesn't really participate in as much. He could definitely do some of it, but unfortunately, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the situations where he is really, you know, a shooter shoots kind of type player, right? That's his role. That's what he's been blessed with. And uh, he'll keep writing that so far. He's already notched several goals this year, finally starting to uh, up that shooting percentage after a last season where he didn't really uh, find the back of the net as frequently as we expected him to. So good rebound for him. Um, but with Ehlers, he's not really helping with transition. He's just looked lost to me. And that's that's a tough one. But hopefully he recovers quickly and, and gets over whatever ails him because this team really doesn't have the ability to replace the skill sets and abilities that he does have. I'm really hoping like this doesn't last for more than a couple weeks because if it does, you're going to have to start talking about uh, sitting him uh, like not, not like benching, but you, you, you are going to have to sit him more in games and really limit his ice time because what he had last night was just, it was next level bad by even by his standards. So uh, yeah, something to keep an eye on, but hopefully it doesn't last. Otherwise, the Jets' offense was pretty darn good. Um, the top line was a little quiet, but I uh, like the depth lines really picked up the slack. The Lowry line had a couple of goals. Lowry had a penalty shot. Appleton was contributing a number of uh, assists and stuff. Mason, I think, is a really good person to talk about because he's finally looking more like the complimentary player that we really wanted him to be, right? He's had some nice goals. He's had some good assists. Um, his passing and, and forechecking look great. In the third line role alongside Lowry and Niederreiter, he's, again, kind of fit like a glove. And Niederreiter himself had, I think, a two-point performance, uh, I believe a goal and an assist. Um, really good to see him find the back of the score sheet again. Uh, obviously, you don't want him just getting empty netters because Nino is super effective down low and behind the goal line where he was last night, just you know creating chaos, uh, attacking the, the low slot area, creating chaos and havoc down low. Um, but he's, but he's got great hand-eye coordination for really nice passes. And that's the sort of stuff that, you know, the Jets could really use a lot more of. So hopefully after his contract expires, the Jets already have one lined up for him because in terms of his ability to really improve almost any line he's on, he's been a, a very good find. I know we've talked about Connor Garland coming to the Jets, but it's kind of wild that Garland has been linked to the Preds because they basically gave away a sort of Garlandy type player in Nino to Winnipeg, right? Like Niederreiter does many of the same things and has a lot of very similar traits. Is Garland the better finisher and stuff? Perhaps, yeah. I, I think that's a pretty fair argument. But Niederreiter, in terms of like a value player, who again in your top nine or uh, in your bottom six, depending on how the team runs their lines, he is an absolute menace. And actually, I'd like him to maybe uh, get moved to a different line. We'll talk about you know who he'd be replacing and what he'd be doing in just a little bit. But overall, you know this game. Look, it was frustrating to lose, and there were some bad defensive lapses. Winnipeg did give away a few too many opportunities to Montreal, uh, whether it was on the power play or just on really bad counters and changes. Thankfully, you know Winnipeg didn't get bit too much, and they rallied enough to uh, at least take it to a shootout. Again, didn't love that they dropped the points because they did own the lead for much of the game. And unfortunately, they just, you know, they let it slip a little bit. But like I said, you know, they've got seven out of eight points in their last four games. Overall, they really dominated control of this game. Uh, it wasn't until late that Montreal started looking more and more dangerous and finally got through. Um, and, you know, a shootout's kind of a coin flip. So not really going to be upset about that. Like I, I mentioned previously, the overall form of this team continues to look better. 
Uh, I think the the depth of the four lines has really made a tr- like a tr- tremendous difference. Kupari, Gustafson, Baron, Appleton, Lowry, Niederreiter. That is an elite bottom six, and they have really helped out when maybe the top six has acquired her performance and doesn't find itself on the score sheet as much. So a lot to like, um, but I like I said, there are some lineup changes that I'm thinking about, and we'll talk about what those might be in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Game Time. Those of you who have ever had to buy tickets to any sort of event, whether it's concerts or sporting events, you know it's a huge pain in the butt. And Game Time totally gets what you're going through. They know that you get hit with lots of fees. They know that it's expensive. And look, if you're trying to find, you know, really cheap tickets, it can be a real challenge, especially on the day of. That's why Game Time is here to take out all of the guesswork and make it as easy as possible. They offer last-minute ticket deals, flash deals, and they even give you in-venue views so that you know exactly what you're paying for rather than getting a bit of a mystery box ticket from somebody who promises your view isn't obstructed, but you get there and you find out there's a giant pillar blocking your view of, say, even Winnipeg Jets hockey. What's great about it, though, is that you also have a lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection. So they want you to have a good time. They want to make sure that things are, um, you know, enjoyable and that you're able to get to the event. And they want to make sure that you're also paying the lowest prices possible. So if you're ready to get started, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and be sure to use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-H-L for $20 off your first purchase. Demo game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you for rejoining us as we talk about some potential lineup changes that the Jets could make to try and uh, squeeze out just a little bit more out of this team. I mentioned earlier that Ehlers has really struggled over the past few weeks. Um, and for me, I think it, it, until he's back into form, until he's you know looking more and more like the normal Nikolai Ehlers that we're used to, I would potentially consider moving him to like the third line or something. Now, the problem with moving him down is that because he still does help with transition and stuff, it's it's a tough ask of of another player to step in and be able to move the puck effectively, right? Somebody has to be the one to advance the puck up the ice when your other players and players on the line are more focused on offensive zone creation. And for the second line, you know, you look at it, it's it's Perfetti, Nemesnikov, and Ehlers. And while that trio has been cooking this year, I do sort of wonder um, if it might help to perhaps give Ehlers a little bit of time off, uh, maybe a few extra shifts of rest, something so that he's, you know, still involved offensively, but perhaps uh, not trying to force passes as much in all of this stuff that's been getting him into more trouble. I feel like that has kind of been a problem this year. And the tough thing is, is if you take him off the second line and you move him into the bottom six, you're going to run into issues of the second line not really having an effective puck carrier. If they were to make the change, I would probably orient the lines like this. Um, still keep Connor, Shifley, and whoever I follow, I guess, uh, as your top line. I mean, it's okay. It's not how I would do it, but assuming Bones isn't really going to mess with that, you can keep that trio. I don't think it's going to do super well, and it, it really hasn't been that great so far, but uh, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to get inside the coaching staff's head. Uh, Arneal is running things right now, and I don't think he's really going to mess with too much that Bones had before. So 
for the second line, assuming Ehlers were to be demoted, I might look at Nino Perfetti and Nemesnikov, and you'll notice I put Perfetti back under center. I really think that's his best position because it really makes the most of his um, excellent vision, his great passing, his defensive responsibility, all of that stuff, while also factoring in the fact that he's not the fleetest of foot. He's not a slow skater by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not the kind of guy who's like Nikolai Ehlers, roaring down the ice, creating tons of space. He doesn't have Connor's edge work either because uh, Kyle is extremely fast. Make no mistake, that dude can turn and burn very quickly. But with Perfetti, I think just making more of that uh, his his central feature would be would be better, and it allows Nemesnikov to kind of attack wide and sort of grind more along the walls. Not that Vlad's been bad at center, but I feel like it just makes more sense to have him kind of be your your wrecking ball out wide. And Nino can do the same on the left side. Uh, he's already a great finisher, so I don't really anticipate there being too many issues there. I think he'd have a great time. I think his natural chemistry with Perfetti would be great. Um, I think they actually have you know, a, a nice alignment of abilities. And when they played previously together in some smaller samples, they did pretty well, right? Perfetti just seems to have... Uh, the ability to make almost anyone on his flanks work really well. So that's a line that I wouldn't mind trying. If you had Ehlers, Lowry, and Appleton as your third line, I think it could work. I don't know that it's the best meshing of skills. I think that there could be some issues with how that group performs, but um, I'm just trying to think of a way to sort of minimize the bad impacts that Ehlers has had on the some of these games where he's just really struggled to create. So um, that could be an option. Again, I don't really want to do this. I mean, short of benching him for some games and bringing somebody in from like the moose, I just don't know what else the jets can really do. You have to kind of let Ehlers figure this out because, uh, he is one of our most important attackers on this team. And I know somebody was like, well, people put him on a pedestal and that's because he really is one of our most creative players. Uh, he's kind of like Willie Nylander and that he's, so smart, he knows how to create space, and his perimeter skating and edge work that allows him to then attack the central slot area makes him a consistent threat. So for him to be struggling this much is really tough for the Jets. They just don't have many players on this team that have the ability to create and transition almost by their like their own selves the way that Ehlers can. So he's got to get back up to speed as soon as possible. I'd also like to see more of Kupari. Uh, I think Rosmus has... Uh, really deserved more of a look. Um, that Actually, that whole fourth line, frankly, just needs more ice time. Uh, I mentioned it probably in a previous episode, but I feel like, you know, at one point they were maybe a little overutilized, and then in subsequent games, they were not given enough ice time. That fourth line is super fantastic. I think that's a great trio. Uh, I, I think the the additions of Kupari um, and, and of course, Ayafalo have really made a difference overall in the lineup. Velarde, of course, once he gets back, will be a huge upgrade for this Jets team. But Kupari, in particular, in the depth unit, has been a, a godsend, right? He's just been awesome. So for me, Baron Gustafson and uh, Kupari really deserve more time. I think that they can crush you know, their opponents and do really well. And so far, the underlying numbers have been a little mixed on some of them, but I promise you, given the right skill sets and, and combinations and the right deployments, I think they will um, really open up more opportunities for the top nine to keep rolling. So give me more Kupari. I think he's really been really fun to watch. Um, he's got speed to burn, and he's got some legit skill. Uh, his distribution and passing and vision are, are pretty nice. Once in a while, he's made some silly decisions, but nothing too egregious for the most part. So, you know, I, I just have to say I really like what I've seen. I, I think that this is a team that um, finally has the kind of forward depth 
where you're talking about like the 2017, 2018 jets. I know somebody was like, they're nothing like them, but I, I promise you, you start looking at how these uh, forward groups perform. Yeah, they are actually closer than you think. Um, and the only real big difference, and it is a huge difference in a lot of areas, it's the defense, right? The blue line is nowhere near that team. Um, and that that is where you kind of have a pretty fair argument. But in terms of the forward depth, I've got to say, uh, this is a really strong group and one that I think with a few smart changes could really, really become a threat in May. Now, speaking of uh, big threats in May, there's a team that the Jets are going to be welcoming in on Monday that is really tough. Um, uh, obviously, as of the recording of this episode, I'm doing it the day before, but you know it is this evening. They'll be taking on the New York Rangers, featuring some old friends from Winnipeg and a lot of new faces. But we'll talk about this Rangers team in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's a uh, $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. For those of you who are Ravens fans like me, you know that this is probably a really beneficial thing because if you win, say, a $5 bet on any of these Ravens stats categories or predictions, you can get $150 to use on even more bets. And as a Ravens fan, i got to say, the team's doing pretty well. If you're a Vikings fan, maybe you like to live it a little bit more risky uh, and you want to give your shot. There's only one way to find out, though. Perhaps if you want to win as a Vikes fan, go to FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season in style. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts in tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much for rejoining us as we talk about Winnipeg welcoming in the New York Rangers, featuring a lot of familiar faces from Jets uh, teams of past and yesteryear, plus a bunch of new guys who are uh, not necessarily unfamiliar to Winnipeg, but this team itself as a whole is, I would say, very interesting, right? This is the first time we're seeing um, LaViolette's version of the Rangers. Uh, Gerard Gallant ran this team very differently, and so far the switch from Gallant to La, uh, to LaViolette has had a very positive impact. The Rangers seem pretty dangerous. Uh, I think they're one of the top teams in the Metro so far. Um, and look, the Metro division isn't what it used to be, but this Rangers team is still pretty good. On the first line, they've got Kreider, Zibanejad, and, uh, Zibanejad and Kako. And Kreider, we all know, is an absolute menace down low. He drives centrally. He creates so much chaos, and he's got a really lethal shot. Uh, his career resurgence over the past few years has been really notable. He is playing some of the best hockey of his career, and he was already really good. So he's an absolute goal threat and a menace and very strong and physical. Kako, I, I know a lot of people had sort of written off at one point. He just needed patience and structure, and I think a lot of that has really paid dividends enough to where he's had a really great start to the season. Um, his vision and creativity are in full display. He's got a very soft touch on the puck and can really roof it when he finds those open spaces. Just a very good trio was Zibanejad, who's obviously a super talented scorer, uh, maybe kind of more in the Shifley vein of a guy who's maybe not the most defensively resolute in terms of being like a two-way center, but offensively just as gifted as they come. What a trio, and it'll be really dangerous, especially on the power play. 
Then you've got Panarin, Hedl, and Lafreniere on your second line. That trio really needs no introductions. You know Hedl has uh, gone from being sort of a talked-about prospect, but maybe a little bit um, considered to be uh, like a bottom six player, right? Rather than a top six guy. But, uh, you know, over, over, over the past few years, that's really started to shift as he's earned more and more responsibility. And, you know, the Rangers roster has moved around a bit. He has increasingly been showing elite offensive prowess. He's super skilled. And with Lafreniere, who is really starting to figure it out, and Panarin, who is already a naturally gifted scorer, this is like a really, really dangerous top six. And the Jets are going to have to be on their best behavior. Things would be a little more manageable if they didn't also have a really good third line, but you've got Cooley, Trocek, and our old friend Wheeler back in the house. This is a group that maybe hasn't scored a lot, but in terms of tilting the ice, has apparently been very effective. They've created good scoring chances. They've conceded a few opportunities so far, but I, I think at some point the dam will probably break. You're seeing Wheeler now being used in a more depth-supporting role, and it seems to have had a pretty good uh, impact on his underlying numbers. So, Good for him. Happy to see that he is doing pretty well. And of course, they're backed by a fourth line of Goudreau, Bonino, and VC. Not exactly like a game-changing unit. Bonino is smart and very savvy and has been for a long time. Uh, VC is, you know, a solid depth winger and same for Goudreau. But, you know, the forward grouping already really good. And then you factor in a pretty interesting two-way blue line unit that's like not, I would say... Um, the best unit in the whole league, but it's got a really strong set of names. Lindgren and Fox are on your first pairing. Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba are on your second and are, uh, you know, a guy that you've probably heard of before, Eric Gustafson and uh, Braden Schneider on your third pairing. I know a lot of people wanted the Jets to draft Schneider at some point, but overall, I mean, this is a really mobile unit that's going to create a lot of chaos. Fox uh, in particular has been um, on another tear. I mean, he's just naturally good at what he does creating so much offense. He scores a lot. Uh, what can you even say about Adam that hasn't already been said? He's already won a Norris trophy. He's due for another one, probably at some point, a future hall of famer. I got to be honest. I think he's already on that track and uh Truba, you know, as long as he doesn't elbow any jets, I'm okay with that. Keandre Miller also very talented. He's uh, had, you know, maybe not like the craziest scoring reputation, but overall a really good two-way defender and somebody that I think Rangers fans will enjoy for a long time. Schneider has seemingly been doing pretty well as like another two-way presence actually has a pretty decent shot um, and he's been making use of it from time to time. So uh, there's just a lot of offensive threat on this back end. And, you know, the, the Rangers have, you know, both Shesterkin and Quickenet so far, both have put up pretty good numbers. So it's going to be a really, really tough game. I think this is going to be a very explosive one. And I think special teams are going to have a huge impact on who ends up winning. And unfortunately, I, I do think that this is probably going to be a loss. I just feel like the Rangers have better uh, depth in terms of, um, you know, the finishing ability up and down the lineup. And, you know, the goaltending is going to be a really close match. But the PK for the Jets has been bad enough to where if you give the Rangers even one or two chances, your night might be over before it really begins. So let's hope Winnipeg doesn't take that many penalties and keeps them away from the power play. That would be a huge benefit to the Jets and also give Winnipeg a chance to roll things at even strength. But we'll see how it all pans out later this evening. But for tonight's show, that is going to be all the time that we have. Stay tuned tomorrow to hear how this game went and some thoughts on any alterations that the lines are uh, that are made to the lines. Plus, maybe some thoughts on our next opponent later in the week. But 
Like I said, for tonight's show, that is all the time that we have. Thanks for listening to us and making us your first listen of the day. As always, have a great night and go Jets go.